0: Welcome to the Keeping Things Alive podcast out of Buffalo, New York. My name is Laura Evans, and I'm the author of Silent Seasons, Chasing Sustainability Through the Law. I'm also a natural resources planner, an active environmental lawyer, animal lover, and gardener. John Washington co-creates the podcast with me. John is an organizer, political trainer and educator, and Afrofuturist. The Keeping Things Alive podcast is here to explore the opportunities and challenges as we all live together on this beautiful, harsh, and interconnected planet Earth. Good morning, John. How are you doing? Good morning, Laura. How are you doing? I'm all right. Um, I'm excited to be recording this with you and sharing part two of my radio interview with Jim Anderson on his radio show, Conversations with Jim Anderson, which actually happened like... Last Monday. Mm -hmm. So yeah, last week. So this is the follow up. I posted episode 89 the other week, which does talk about like the first part of my conversation with him. And then yeah, we went back and did it again. How do you think
1: part two went?
0: I liked part two. um, But I would say that I still have a lot of learning to do and how to talk about the book and answer questions. I was very prepared to talk about environmental law and how the system's like set up and then really not working but I was less prepared to talk about you know how to move forward and like positive that's true of
1: most people and it's it's a reality of the situation we're in too. that like It's a lot easier to talk about what's happening to us right now than what is possible or what we could do. So I think that's normal.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely... Yeah, there's definitely this doom spiral that can happen with uh, sustainability and environmental issues and then, yeah, with the law. So I I really appreciated the conversation. Some people called in that were really amazing, including you. Um, Yeah, what did you think of it?
1: Um, No, I thought it was really interesting. I think I called in because... I wanted to help you both kind of clarify that. um, And I think this is something that we all, I would love to do an episode with you about that, you know, climate change is really kind of more of a marketing phrase. um, And the reality is that like, capitalism the industrial part of capitalism now with cryptocurrency the information side of capitalism all have ecological consequences and that because especially in the united states of america although it's true in other places because of america and other colonial influences that that environmental that the entire spectrum of it is through the lens of of race class and gender Mm. so it's like of course they're gonna put the things that they know that are terrible um, in places where they're concentrated, where they've also put people of color who they believe are terrible. And right. I think it's really important that like we actually stop saying climate change. Like we need to say it in order to like reach people who have been convinced that that's the way to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you all were actually having a really good conversation about environmental racism, um, which I think is is actually a big part of like breaking down climate change into problems that we actually can solve. Because the collective problem, we can't just we we can't solve it all at once.
0: Right? Yeah, thanks. No, I I appreciate what you said there, yeah. No, it was great. And calling in, there were other callers that called in, and I just, yeah, I really appreciated yeah, Doyle being called there. in again. He yeah, got the, exactly. The, the
1: education OG of Buffalo, the queen yeah. mother, to call in again, and I thought that was really cool, and shows that like she's engaged, and that like. You have a really engaging book, that, and people really do want to talk about this stuff, feel feelings, and don't often feel permission to express those feelings about their relationship to the environment and, and, and the crash course we're on.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely getting a lot of positive feedback, and yeah, a lot of people that have been reading it or listening to me talk about it it has been op- giving them permission to feel their own feelings and then evaluate i just yeah went on a podcast called the former lawyer podcast and you could tell like a lot of lawyers or former lawyers are listening and just giving them the permission to think about their jobs and what actual impact they have or they don't have on po- on bigger issues was yeah it's been very empowering for me as well even though i'm still trying to get used to Putting myself out there so much, you know, that particular um, podcast episode, they talk about, um, you know, the whole thing is about me having an anxiety attack at work. So (laughs) that's like the headline of the interview. But, anyways, I'm getting a little off topic. I wanted to, before we share this interview, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about this upcoming uh, general election in the United States that is happening (laughs) it's like yeah it's the second tuesday of november this year and you and i have done um podcast episodes before we called them ballot reviews so could you just talk a little bit about what we're planning and then what's been on your mind briefly as kind of a stay tuned well
1: uh, i think um we the next four years are gonna be like incredibly important for the next 20 or 30 years of american politics and you know Hopefully we all last longer than that, but I think are going to be really defining. And I definitely feel a sense that this election is not being marketed to people and that lots of people are not going to you mm-hmm. know, participate outside of maybe thinking about voting for the governor of New York state and governors around the country. Um, but I think, you know, this midterm election is really going to set up the presidential election and set up, you know, the kind of frames that we operate out of uh, for a long time. And um, I think it's really important that people are clear on like what their options are or like what's possible and that voting isn't something that you just do every four years in presidential elections. Mm-hmm. But voting happens every single year. It happens in primaries. Um, sometimes very important things happen in this November election. And then this year, um, there has been a insane national gerrymandering campaign and so many of the rules for federal elections which trickle down to state and local elections uh, and lines have been redrawn um, and and really to me it's like it's like a revolution in the way that that things work um, mm-hmm. and while there's limitations to voting voting in the process and the numbers and the lines all set stages for what happens in between elections. Um, so we just kind of want to review some of those things, talk about some of those larger concepts, hopefully get people who are listeners like more prepared and more clear about what's going on, um, and then also uh, kind of previewing the intense uh, elections that are going to start as soon as these ones are over.
0: Yeah. No, that all sounds really good. Thank you. I would say, for me, the a big purpose of the ballot reviews like in addition to what you just said is like yeah giving people more clarity about what positions are actually on the ballot because I've definitely shown up in the Lutheran like So it's not really about the candidates, but it's really about the positions. Like, what is the comptroller? What do they do? What does the governor have powers over? And just kind of getting your uh, minds thinking about that because a lot of times it just seems like it doesn't really have any impact on our day-to-day lives, but these positions do hold a lot of power and influence on, yeah, what we experience every day. And then, yeah, looking into more sustainability issues in the future like this all it does have an impact
1: and ultimately if you want a more sustainable world you have to be concerned with the power that people have over the world that exists and the kind of uh, inertia of these systems and I think the last thing I will say is that Our electoral system is working as it was designed to, just because lots of people aren't voting. I think people make this assumption that none of it works. Mm. All of it is incredibly effective, and one of its number one jobs is to only engage people who um, fit within the interests of, of big corporations, of big capital, of big employers, of... Big institutions that have lots of resources um, and who benefit from those, and, and to really exclude everyone else. And so I often hear, "Oh, there's no point in voting." Uh, and then and the reality is there there isn't because that's how it's been designed. And I think that we, ultimately, special people who care about sustainability, um, have to react to that, even if we're not defined by it. And I see so many people just um, very, very upset, but not clear about what to do with it. So hopefully we can help people get a little bit more clear and, um, yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, everyone who's listening, stay tuned for this upcoming ballot review episode. And yeah, right now, just please enjoy this conversation that I had with Jim Anderson on his radio show about silent seasons and sustainability. The last thing I will say is I got, really exciting news this week and that is my book silent seasons can now be ordered from an amazon alternative so if you would like to order a copy of silent seasons and you don't want to support amazon you can now go to burningbooks.com and order silent seasons directly from there so yeah thank you so much for listening and please enjoy my conversation with jim anderson
2: (coughs) i got something in my throat but no i'm cool in the gang, y'all listen Welcome to Conversations with Jim Anderson. It's is part two of our conversation with Laura Evans, who is an environmental lawyer. She is an activist, and she is a recently published author. And uh, we're talking about all of that in her world right now. <clears throat> I want to mention her book, Silent Season, but I want to mention the subtitle to it also is Silent Seasons Chasing Sustainability Through the Law. And we're going to be horning in on sustainability because, and the law. In other words, we're going to law school, y'all. Get ready, get ready. No, this is serious. Um, Laura, in her book, breaks down something we would all be enriched to understand is the elements of of the policies, the laws that affect the environment and how you access them. You know, a lot of things we talk about our environment and the climate, and when we think something ought to be done, the question is, who do you go to and what? Is there a agency for that? And there are different agencies and we need to be aware of what's their role in this dynamic around in the environment. Also, I'm going to ask Laura to talk to us about sustainability because we hear that word used everywhere. It sounds good, but what does it really mean and what does it look like to be, to have things that are sustainable and what things should be on that track? Well, with that said, let me just welcome my guests again. Laura Evans,
0: Hi Jim. Hi. Yeah, this is great that we're doing a part two, and yeah, last week we got to talk about you know the motivation behind writing the book, and now it's more the details.
2: So yeah, yeah and
0: t- listen,
2: you if you haven't gotten a book, you can get the book. Right. So we'll be telling you how to do that, and if you near any bookstore that you prefer to go to, you ask. Go in and ask for it. They can easily order it. Books can't order it. And um, that's Silent Seasons by Laura Evans. And um, I'm telling you, it's an easy read, but it's an empowering read. So, Laura, sustainability. You know, when all of us, and like your chap- one of your chapters talked about, when we think about environmental law, we think about these um, Smart people working for the right thing, the good cause. Mm -hmm. And that's all we know. Whose side are they on?
0: I mean, every side, it seems like. (laughs) It depends. It depends. It's very Um, complicated, and there's a lot of different levels to it. And really, I mean, everybody lives on land, drinks water, breathes air. So everyone is pretty impacted by environmental law. Like, the lack thereof like whether they know it or not and yeah you're right sustainability there's definitely formal definitions and like corporate settings I'm sure there's some sort of you know like a law case that tries to define it but for me it's really about um, sustaining our lives and the life on earth and really using all of the tools that we have like at our disposal including like the earth itself because really we're we're here on the earth, we're a part of it, and what we do impacts nature as well. So that can be, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of, you know, people should be separate from nature, but that's just simply not true. You know, we should have designated wilderness areas, but I really think sustainability is about kind of incorporating ourselves into nature and then working with it to, Mm -hmm. you know, build a better future and look at out like seven generations like indigenous peoples often have.
2: You know... It, it appears now that kind of looking deeper into it is only starting to happen. Um, I mean, you know, we talk about recycling. We yeah. Talk, you know, like, everybody, like oh, wow, I recycle and all of that. Right. But it's more to this environmental thing than just being aware of recycling. And, and so you're talking on a level... Um, where many people haven't stepped up to, but need to because it's not, it's easy.
0: Yeah. I, so environmental law, it definitely, I broke it into three different categories in the book. So, like natural resources law and what we do to the land. So, you know, a lot of environmental law has to do with development. If you're going to build a bridge or you're going to build a housing development and it's in a floodplain or, you know, all of those types of, um, issues that have to do with nature and then people's place in it, our environmental law, and that's natural resources, the land. But then there's pollution law, and so that includes um, the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act. Well, the Clean Water Act is kind of both um, mm-hmm. whenever you disturb uh water that kinda of, it comes into that but pollution law is all about probably what people think about a lot you know curbing pollution making sure that different companies have the right permits and they're using the right technology to clean the air before it's emitted um, there's a lot of different kinds of pollution law water pollution air pollution even like heat pollution so if you think about power plants they generate they actually have a lot of water to cool the process is down. And then a lot of companies would like to just put the hot water back into a lake, but they can't. Um, There's like pollution laws about that. You can only raise the temperature so much. So yeah, there's a lot of things to think about. And then the last category of environmental law that I wrote about in the book is natural law. And that one really isn't incorporated into environmental law at all. But, you know, there's just... When a river, when it rains and rivers rise, like they erode land and it really doesn't matter like who owns that land. Um, you know, nature kind of bats last. Is so that that's recently. what
2: natural law is, is when nature.
0: That's is, what, yeah, that's what I call it in the book. And okay. it's just, you know, like physics um, okay. and just the way that the world will operate. You know, if we pump a lot of fossil fuels or we burn a lot of fossil fuels and all of that goes emitted into our atmosphere. It changes our climate. So that's like the natural law of things is that they will change no matter what we want them to do. Um, It's constantly a factor. I mean, you look at like hurricane season right now, you know, like we can have all the laws in the world, but that hurricane does its own thing (laughs) and doesn't comply.
2: And, And so our biggest challenge is always trying to find ways to mitigate uh, what you term as natural law, because we we gotta find a way to coalesce with it.
0: Right. Yeah. There's a um, a Haudenosaunee faith faithkeeper named Oren Lyons, and he's been quoted to say, "You can't negotiate with a beetle." And you know, you think about invasive species. That's another thing that environmental law tries to curb. And you know, if there's a plant infestation or a lot of there's a lot of different um, insects that really hurt trees, um, the ash trees in this area. Are getting completely decimated by a beetle called the elm emerald ash borer, and so that beetle, like it doesn't care what the law is, <laughs> and so that's other types of law you don't really have to deal with that, you know. <laughs> um,
2: you, I, yeah. I'm sitting here feeling like you, you're pushing for your book, and what you're saying now is pushing for it a a call to be responsible. We as people, right. To taking care of this planet. And mm-hmm. and in the things you said, it clearly said that all the things that's here, plant, bugs, and so forth, um, yeah, they belong <laughs> here too. Mm-hmm. And that even before, look, um, We've been getting along with them even before we grew up to the age where now we're annoyed with them. Mm -hmm. Like with these bugs, when we're young, we want to play with them Mm -hmm. and everything. Right. So, um, oh, wow. I mean, this is an epiphany in, in many ways because we've been satisfied with a low level of, well, I care about the environment.
0: And that's where I started, (laughs) you know, like, that's why I went into it. It was like, I really do care about the earth and what happens to it. And I took a class where it kind of went through all these different environmental issues. And I I just, that's what I wanted to jump into. And it hasn't been what I thought it would be.
2: Yeah, but your care showed, I mean, in a sense that in the book, it showed that, as you mentioned, one of the things you would noted is that, no, it wasn't all this good work that was being done. And yeah. I and mean, it has
0: that. There's, like, pockets of it, right? Right. But then it goes all in different directions. And the laws we use right now are, they were basically all created in the um, late 60s, 70s, and some in the early 80s. And they haven't really been changed since then. And so you know, there's a lot of different impacts. There's been places that have really been, you know, saved, (laughs) and then there's also, like, a lot of harm that's been done.
2: Whose interest uh, is it in to just leave the laws alone?
0: Honestly, no one seems to leave the laws alone. Everyone seems to be trying to influence them. I mean, I would really like to change them, but I also just really have come to the conclusion that, at least the way things are set up right now. I mean, I guess, yeah, people who are working on the projects and are able to get paid every time, like, laws change, I mean, that's someone that would benefit from things being the same. But I would say it's really not doing a service to many people at all right now. Um, and I always but want... it's hard to change once you've gone down this track. Yeah, and especially <laughs>
2: right? when those who are supposed to be the good guys buy in. I mean, like,
0: mm-hmm. one
2: going to law school, that's a lot of money they have to mm-hmm. invest. Mm-hmm. And so, getting out. I mean, the culture itself so saying, "Hey, look, I got, I got screwed at the cover." Right. Um. You, how do you cover it without a decent job mm-hmm. that will allow you some money to pay towards that effort? Oh, right. And yeah. generally, it's money that is not. It's it in the work that it costs want to do is not the most best for the people and planet.
0: Yeah, and the other thing I've found is that yeah, not only do most of the environmental jobs that would be like I I clerked for earth justice uh, during my law school summer or you know defenders of wildlife kind of the bigger like nonprofits that have environmental areas I one of the things I talk about in the book is just that yeah there's not a lot of money for in that and so there's just so many fewer lawyers that are doing that so the sides aren't fair you know a lot of like Nonprofit volunteers are putting together lawsuits against these giant companies that have like teams of lawyers that are practicing this 24-7. I was a part of that. You know, when I first left law school, I did just the Endangered Species Act and federal wildlife law for a law firm. Mm. And that was all I did every day. And so when you are getting sued by someone who is doing this as a volunteer (laughs) basis, it's just the fight's not fair. Yeah, Um, right.
2: Yeah. So tell us some a little bit about law school. I'm gonna shut up. Oh, uh, law school. Three dots. Three dots. Um, okay. like this is uh, you're doing a class. <laughs>
0: like, wait. So you want me to tell you about my experience at law school, or uh, you can do to talk can, about, you about your law. experience,
2: or you can, yes.
0: Okay. Um, well, I guess me personally, I went to law school in 2008, and I graduated in 2011. I went to the University of Texas School of Law in Austin, and that place had an environmental law clinic. So I did that my second year. um, And that was working with um, different residents in and around Houston Baytown who were just experiencing um, additional burdens from like all of the fossil fuel and petrochemical infrastructure Mm -hmm. that was around there. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all sick there. Houston doesn't have zoning. And so there were um, elementary schools like next to factories Um, And, yeah, just working, meeting with different people who are addressing those issues. um, That was really pretty powerful. Um, And so, yeah, I took a lot of environmental law classes throughout law school. So this is kind of what I've learned. I think I can start with the history of environmental law, first of all. Um, Like I said before, they really, all of the laws got passed after. So in 1962, Rachel Carson published Silent Spring And then there was the first Earth Day in 1970, and that was a combination of uh, union workers and then also some uh, people in Congress that were all communicating and working together, and they created all of these teach-ins across the country, and... 20 million people participated in the first Earth Day, Mm. and that really got people's attention. (laughs) I mean, people got motivated by being Mm. there, and then also, um, yeah, Nixon was president at the time. So yeah, all of these, like Clean Air Act, Clean Water Act, Endangered Species Act, National Environmental Policy Act, they all got passed during the Nixon administration, (laughs) Um, and then some in the future, too. But. This new version before environmental law was property law, which Mm -hmm. the way it was described to me in law school is that when you own a piece of property, you kind of have a bundle of sticks of different rights that you can kind of, you know, give away or Mm -hmm. use at different times. And nuisance is one of the, you know, you have like the benefit of not getting, I guess, yeah, not experiencing a nuisance while you live on your property from your neighbor. And so if there was a factory that was emitting a bunch of smoke or noise, that could cause a nuisance. And that was really the only way you could have any sort of environmental law anything. Um, And so that's why rivers were catching on fire. The Love Canal community in Niagara Falls was built on a hazardous waste, you know, site um, that is still being, you know, impacting people today. And there were all these, like, visible instances of environmental pollution So we have all these new laws that have been passed in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and they're all under an administrative law framework. So there's the Administrative Procedure Act of 1946. And that really – so my big thing with this book and environmental law is that now these new laws are in this framework that all these other other government agencies follow. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where we have, like – this the Clean Water Act and Clean Air Act created the Environmental Protection Agency. And so you hear all of these different agencies, um, and they were all created to administer all of these environmental laws. And I don't know. I feel like I've been talking for a while. Do you have any questions <laughs> about yeah. where I'm going? Yeah, <laughs> I, think,
2: I think that, you know, because there are a lot of different laws. And so when something is happening, say, in the community. Yeah. Take, like, American Atson. Okay, so, is that relative to Clean Air Act, or is this some kind of pollution policy, or...
0: Give me more context about okay. that issue. Okay, so, <laughs>
2: you know, the people were complaining they were not feeling, some people were not feeling mm-hmm. well that live in that area. Yeah. So, we know it's been inducted in the industry there, the car making, mm-hmm. we don't know all the products and stuff. Right. And there are railroad tracks, the tracks used to come by, mm-hmm. there is some land over there off a grinder that was said to be contaminated that might have been repurposed Mm -hmm. and um you know so one always wonder because the you know is it easy to repurpose land or remediate or whatever it is can you does any law deal with that
0: I mean, I think a really hard part with um, pollution causing illness in people is the causation piece. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot. I, f- I don't know the exact standards and it really depends on the state and the issue. But a lot of times people really struggle with like proving that causation, like that factory actually caused my illness because they'll say, oh but like you went to work and then you spent that many hours maybe it was something there maybe something you ate or maybe it was genetically something so it does take a lot of time and money and that's a really um hard part about this um i would also this is kind of bringing up environmental law and the ones that i talk about a lot are more of the national laws um, but there's also state laws and local laws you know so each you know, the smaller governments, the state governments, and the federal government, they all have the power to regulate different things. And so I would say that, you know, there's probably a New York Department of Environmental Conservation issue going on there. Like, those would be people to talk to. Also, the Environmental Protection Agency, you know, that's the the federal group. But um, yeah, it is a whole, it's a whole mess of agencies, levels, and yeah, it gets really difficult. And so, that's why I really did want to put all of this into one chapter to kind of give people something that was more digestible. Because yeah, it's well, it sure helps. Um,
2: um, you're breaking it down, uh, kind of open one's eye to the fact that there are there are different approaches for whether it's Clean Air Act and, mm-hmm. and, and or some other part of the system that they have regulations that you need to be aware of because even to bring a complaint, they tell you right. how to bring a complaint. And when yeah. people don't know, they'd be knocking on the wrong door.
0: Mm-hmm. I really I struggle with all of it because, you know, when people are sick immediately, like they want change. And so I think something I've really struggled with with environmental projects is how long they all take and how, you know, the the main lesson in this chapter is that the U.S. environmental system will never save the earth or us. And so I really do struggle with like relying Hmm. on it for our health because I don't see it changing in the speed that it needs to, which is. Like aye, today, aye. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know, um, this is this is serious business when you um, consider the things we're talking about because th- there are illnesses. There, there's just so much going on around. Just around this issue alone, I mean, you got activism in the street. You even got the president talking about the climate. You can't talk about the climate and not talk about the environment mm-hmm. and environment. You know, both ways. The, the the connection there that folks need to understand uh, is important. And one is with the law.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: You know, we think if we bring a complaint that it'll get done, one mm-hmm. is some, the time it takes. Right. lengthy research yeah. that you have to do. Anyway, we got a call okay. for you. We'll go <laughs> yeah. to the call. Okay. Caller, you're on the air. Welcome.
3: Hey, uh, this is John in Washington. I was just uh, listening in to the conversation you all were all having about, you know, environmental laws, especially locally with American Axel. And um, I just think one of the most important parts that people need to recognize about Laura's book is that there are no laws that are designed to protect human beings. There are lots of laws that are designed to protect, you know, commerce and processes and mm. make it look like, you know, that they're trying to do something but there actually isn't laws that regulate the poisoning of people um, in a direct and accountable way that that has any type of force. And any time any people have ever gotten any justice for, you know, what a company has done to them, either, you know, directly or even throughout history. And in Buffalo, we had all these, you know, these old factories. Mm. Um, It's been because people bent the law or created, you know, public pressure. But every law in the book is is not there to protect us, and I think that's part of the message in the book is that we're going to have to start learning how to protect ourselves mm. and some of that is through the law, but a lot of that is through you know how we eat and and how we grow our food and mm. and how we do lots of other things um but it's it's really hard to describe, and it's intentionally confusing because it's really a lot of conflicts of jurisdiction and um just different ways and different laws overlap and are are really confusing. So that for people who don't have a whole lot of power, um, you know, all the people in power kind of point at each other when mm-hmm. you when you try to hold them accountable because of the complexity of all these laws. And in order to cut through that, um, I think sometimes our people have to have to do our own thing and, and, and identify a law that may not truly apply. But ultimately, you know, we think that, that we can move um, some powerful people to, to bend it to, to what we need. But right now, to me, that's one of the biggest things that I realized reading the book is, you know, there really isn't a whole lot out there that's, that's really going to help us right now. and We have to create some things and also do what we need to do ourselves uh, to protect ourselves and keep ourselves safe and in a good relationship to our environment.
2: Indeed. I think you, I, 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 thanks for sharing that, because you open our eyes wider to the fact that, you know, people always come out, well, I know the law and think that there's some law that's like a shield, but really the law is tricky. You know, and depending mm-hmm. on how it wields it, you know, yeah. and can take too long a time when, when just as the caller said. Uh, we need an in-the-meantime plan that really works best for humanity and the planet.
0: Yeah, just to um, kind of go on that about... Um the it's called standing to sue so in order for you to bring a lawsuit you have to have standing which says like yeah i can bring it and in environmental law it's really hard you have to prove that you suffered an injury in fact and that that was traceable to the actions that you're suing someone over so you know public health if if someone that you know got sick and you want to sue on their behalf you can't because they have to do that if a big, you know, if a bunch of fish die in a river because a company, you know, poisoned them, you can't sue for those fish. You know, they're the ones that got injured. So I think that's another part that keeps a lot of people out of a courtroom in this area of law. Wow.
2: Uh, um, have you any laws that 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 you would like to see? <laughs> on the books
0: (laughs) i don't know anymore to be honest um i i really do write about the public trust doctrine um that's in one of the chapters and that is a like a couple thousand year old principle that dates back to roman law and that's where the government is a trustee of the environment and it's Meant to steward it for the public, and so keeping yeah public part. It recognizes that water is public, air is public, land is public, and then the government's duty is to um, is to you know keep them clean and like ongoing for future generations. So, I guess I would like to establish laws that actually use that particular principle, but right now it's not really happening in our current legal system.
2: Mm. You know, right now, one of the things also that's not happening, and there's not a lot of attorneys like you out talking like this on this.
0: Like, no, none of them really. Um, yeah, they're probably too busy. And also, like, yeah, it's—I have left multiple jobs because they were— unsustainable and they were really impacting my health at the same time. Um, but I think a lot of people have just sort of dug in their heels and kept going with it as long as possible. And that's mm-hmm. why the subtitle is Chasing Sustainability, because I do keep trying to find it and uh, being disappointed.
2: Well, I you came out in, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you came out of that environment and breathing because it's sort of like and you fit well in a moment that says "see something, say something." Right. Your book is saying that, and that's the way you you're living on this. So yeah, let's go back to the phones. Caller, you're on the air. Welcome.
4: Uh yeah, good day. Um, hey, hey. Good information. Um, I'm looking forward to getting the book and reading the book. But I have a question. Basically, when when you talk about laws, you think about lawyers or attorneys. You think about judges, you think about the whole so-called justice system and the idea that there's blind justice Hmm. or the impartial justice, and when you have judges or a justice system that's being rigged with one particular slant, like the Supreme Court, or the many lifetime positions that the imposter president, that's how I call him, Trump, uh, has been put on lifetime positions, what position or how just or how impartial or how much should we be ruled by judged a justice system that is slanted by people who have their finger on the scales of justice. Mm. Um, uh-huh. I'm how not sure anyone? if that
2: was clear. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's reminding me of... Um, mm. So there is the judges for sure, and that's a part of this. And, you know, they they see cases in federal court that have all different topics, not just environmental. So they're not, they don't really know exactly what they're looking at, but at least not all the time. But then also the federal agencies under the Administrative Procedure Act the law says that they're the experts on the issue. So they have a huge amount of deference, and they get to do what they want, basically, because they are, like, legally considered to be the experts. So it takes them really screwing up in a blatant way to be overturned.
2: (laughs) This is turning into a horror movie. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right? um, You know, (laughs) because... It's like, okay, yeah. who's on the side of the people? What about the judge? What about the judge? Anyway.
0: Yeah. Um, and sometimes there's panels of judges. There's never juries. I don't really hear about juries in environmental. Law. Maybe there are some criminal um, parts of, like, the Endangered Species Act. If you really intentionally kill an endangered species, you could potentially go to jail. Oh, it um, sounds like amazing. Yeah. so
2: complicated. I No yeah. straight track.
0: No. Through. no. And they're all different silos. That's the other thing that I talk about. So yeah, after I graduated from law school, I was a federal wildlife attorney specializing in the Endangered Species Act and I Mm. did nothing else. Um, And so there's, I could have been specializing in air or water, um, but yeah, it, it breaks it up even more than just being an environmental attorney. You get really specialized. Wow.
2: And and to be in there and to see the greed factor and the, mm-hmm. that is going really just extracting from from people and the planet and yeah. what they support. You know, uh, listen. This is, this is not a, a sad story, but this is points out why in this moment of change, there's so much activism is calling for things that many people didn't know. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of reasons why i mean i i I often tell people the generation I come through when we were growing up, we didn't get access to the information that younger folks are getting today, right, and they that energy and their brilliance and creativity works with it in a way that may be different from some of those who've been around a while and then got kinda comfortable and but being comfortable and how you address the work that needs to happen to ensure that we have an environment, a -hmm. community that works for us, is a problem.
0: Yeah.
2: Stay with us. We're going to go to a break, and we'll be back. Welcome back to Conversation with Jim Anderson in a great conversation with Laura Evans, who is a... Yes, yes, you got it. Repeat it back to me. Environmental attorney... Mm-hmm. An activist and an author, a recently published author of Silent Seasons, and um, available, it's available. Yes. And if you hit a bookstore that doesn't have it, you just tell them you want it. Mm-hmm. They'll, they can get it. Yes. You know, um, you know to know, oh, well, we got a call. I don't even have to ask you. Uh, Caller, okay. you're on the air. Welcome. Welcome. Caller,
5: you're on. Okay, I hear you now. Hi, okay. good morning, everyone. How are you doing today?
2: Marvelous. How about uh, you?
5: Fine, great. Um, I just want to contribute a resource that that's going to be helpful to the public in relation to um, damages to the
2: okay.
5: um, environment. There is a public resource available called the Toxic Release Inventory, oh, yeah. and what that um, uh, source does is it informs the public of what plant factory or company have may have released some toxic waste or damaging waste into the environment. And this is a database, or should I say a source, that factories, plants, and companies have to report to. Um, And it's uh, a national source, so it is also by community. So if someone from Buffalo wanted to go to a public library and they wanted to maybe look up a factory or a plant in their community, they can see whether or not that plant or factory has released some toxic um, chemicals or waste matter into their community. So that's the name of it, Toxic Release Inventory. It's an excellent resource for people who want to um, find out whether or not um, their local, um, again, plants, factories, and businesses are poisoning their environment.
2: <laughs> Whoa. And then look, that oh, that's some good information. Laura, mm-hmm. are you familiar with this?
0: I've heard of it. Yeah, no, that is, that's definitely a good source to look at. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, thank you for that. That's huge. <laughs> it just shows there's some thing. there's a lot that we, the people, have to get caught up on.
0: There, yeah, and there, there is a lot of information out there. So I, I do really, yeah, I'm, I struggle with how to organize all of that information or what to focus on exactly. Um, but yeah, there are. I've, I've kind of. I mean, this is different than um, toxic inventories, but when it comes to like climate change reports and things like that, I think the latest um, like international climate report was a summary of. It was at least 20,000, I think, more scientific papers. So there's a lot of studying going on, but I'm really interested in like the implementation of it or what do people do with that information. Right. Um, because right now it's like, yes, we do have so much access, but then I don't know like how to actually move people and organize with them to, to build well, things that are well, better.
2: I, I think you're doing, actually, it shouldn't be a surprise, your book is one way.
0: Your knowledge, what
2: you know, I mean, people can have you come and talk to their group, their clubs or anything. I'm just saying you're walking, Mm -hmm. you're walking encyclopedia and a a, a one-person army, really, on this issue. I mean, the enlightenment about what we need to understand about the twists and turns of law, Mm -hmm. how much effectability do they have, if any, you yeah. know, right? And and um, just, I mean, understanding from the mind of a of a legal person like yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm when I read in there and you talking about when you're going to school, I feel like I felt the same way. You know, like hey, you know, this is good work about these kinds of working with as an attorney. I'm mm-hmm. thinking like, oh yeah. Right. But to get in there and then to see that it's not doing the things it could and should to help people
4: mm-hmm.
2: as a whole. Right. It's into that more on the greed track and get for self mm-hmm. and get it by not doing some necessary healthy things.
0: Yeah. And I think every every issue and every law has success stories. I mean, the the rivers aren't catching on fire that I've heard of recently, you know, there are definitely like things that have improved, but there's also like a lot of ways that just show that we're in a really difficult place. And, you know, at the end of the book, you know, I, I start by summarizing all these different environmental laws and then when it gets to my pandemic pause chapter i do a recipe for chicken noodle soup because there's a lot of times where i do really feel like we need to stop focusing on them and we need to focus on ourselves and You know, with soup, it's very, like, my immune system, I really focus on that a lot, gardening, cooking with food I eat. And so I know that's, like, a strange leap from law to cooking, but for me it makes a lot of sense, and it helps me kind of deal with the horror of this entire issue and, yeah, what I've uncovered over time. It
2: sounds like, so you utilize cooking, cooking, which is helpful to keep you calm and moving through. Mm-hmm. I could see, I could see where even now, many people learn how to grow and cook for themselves.
0: Right. Yeah. How that
2: health also lead to a different kind of behavior about how mm-hmm. one interacts in the environment. Yeah. And and it's like another track leading to where we need to get.
0: Right. And yeah. I, I do. So I'm not that I haven't been cooking or I'm sorry, growing very many vegetables, but herbs are really big for me. So I just harvested all the herbs I grew this summer, dried them out, and now I like cook with them as spices. And it seems really simple and weird, (laughs) but that connection like and then like the flow of the seasons and just yeah, being connected to the weather. Like always, you know, being concerned with my plants and whether they have enough water, or if it's going to hail, whatever, freeze. <laughs> um, I think that really helps me pay attention to nature in a way that law never will.
2: Wow. What's your next plant? <laughs> that's a
0: that's a good question so i am licensed to practice law in texas and i'm on inactive status so i've moved back to western new york in 2015 so i'm a planner right now i do natural resources planning um but yeah i'm at a little bit of a crossroads with this book mm. and i make the podcast and i'm yeah just looking at you yeah, know what what is next i i do like planning um in a lot of ways um it is tied to environmental law i don't and so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I do feel like I'm at a crossroads. I want to write another book, um, and I want to keep sharing this book and turning it into more lessons. So
2: you yeah. know you got both the book and I didn't mention it earlier also the podcast.
0: Oh yeah, the keeping things alive podcast keeping has been alive. going on since 2017 now.
2: And all <laughs> that and it all flows yeah. together. It all flows together with your with your pursuit in life, even in con- going to college right. and stuff. And you know folks, you know when we get these wake up moments, these aha and they often come where we just get it by ourselves, something prompted through somebody else.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, y'all probably heard me mention Laura had to wake up about Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, if you want to hear the rest of that, you have to hear it after we take this call. Okay. Caller, you're on the air. Welcome. Yes.
6: Good morning, Mr. Anderson. Good morning,
2: Dr. Doyle.
6: Yes. You know, um, I, want, I want to share what I did to win a case where my mother died of cancer oh. due to working in a chem- chemical plant in Niagara Falls during World War II. Wow. wow. Um, my, I was doing research on my family's history, and I found out that she was one of the iconic women known as Rosie the Riveter. Whoa who worked during World War II, these women worked in the factories, kept the country going when the men went off to war. I sued the company. I got a group of lawyers. And I won the case, Mr. Anderson. All right, Right there we go. I won the case. (laughs) And I received a large sum of money. Nice. It took three years. I wrote about it in my column, Eye on History. I paid tribute to my mother in my last book, my 12th book that I published Mm -hmm. in November. I paid tribute to her for her service during the war. Now, my mother never really talked about it, but when I did my... I didn't know she worked there, but when I did my family research, I found out about it. Mm. I did my homework... And I won a lot of money. Wow. And I wrote about it in my column, Eye on History. And you know, Mr., Mr. Anderson, I have to say this. I've been writing that column for 44 straight years. Wow. And when I write it in the column, I put information in there to share with this community. Yep. But I'm going to say that it can be done. I'm a living witness. I got the money. I, I just want to share it. Thank you for your
2: program, Mr. Anderson. Thank you for sharing that. I, oh. Well, no,
0: that's, yeah, that is really, that is really good. And there, yeah, there are definitely ways to use the law um, to hopefully get some forms of justice. Um, but, yeah, I, yep, it's been, and, yeah, maybe with, uh with people, it can it can happen more. Um, but I just, yeah, I haven't I haven't experienced it very much in my mm-hmm. own time.
2: Yeah, we we bumming up a, against a tough industry, but that change is coming. I mean, all the energy that we see, particularly the young coming on, and those who you know know that in order to get things changed, we have to be out there making the demand and and pushing. And you know it's happening slowly but surely. Yeah. But it won't be long, y'all. If you yeah. you waiting to see the change, uh, just know it's already happening. It's not in full effect yet. Yeah. But uh, no, don't stand by. It. <laughs> be with it. Be by right. it. <laughs> you know, because they stand by. But really, it, it change is going on, and we're making headways both in conversation and in actual. Presence on the ground, things that, that, that one will see happening. Mm-hmm. So um, be part of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah. I want to say. Indeed. Yeah. Lord, the um, book, as easy a read as it is, the, the information is quite important. And when get to talking and different things that people talk about just illumines it more. And it kinda of draws forth why the title Silent Seasons it's what are you what's the word eclectic, I think they call it, it just I mean it's capturing mm-hmm. and it's, it's strong, but yet it's it's just kind of warm pull. When I think about the seasons, I, I, I love it. <laughs> when I thought about your book it made me really get, like, okay, silence scenes Really think about what I experienced. Mm-hmm. And when I think about what law means to it and how often there have been things that I think something ought to happen but didn't know where to go or what to say. Yeah. Uh, man. <laughs> I'm just, bear with me, listen. I'm just, I mean, this is real live on air. I mean, I'm, I'm coming around the same learning curve as you about this book and in environmental issues and i'm enjoying laura just point out different things and those who are calling you know again let me just say 837 1112 716 is the number to call but laura you did good by this book thank you <laughs> yeah
0: a- i think what i'm really trying to do with it is to share my experience and what i've seen alongside with what I've learned about different environmental laws. And so I, ultimately my intention is, it's really not about me. It's really, I'm kind of like using my own stories and what I've witnessed to teach people things about environmental law. And so I really hope that, yeah, that's why I wanted it to be an easy read or something that you can just sort of lose yourself into or just take one chapter at a time and then let it go. Um, because this is a really challenging topic it's not something people think about very often but it does impact all of our lives every day and so I think my goal is by using myself as an example people can see themselves in the world too in a different context
4: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) when you when you when you get ready to You get ready to present on this book on the road. Have you, I mean, have you thought about that? I mean, they're going to be... Look, I know you're gonna be, there's going to be call for you and you probably already got them to come and talk about this book. And I'm wondering, uh, what would be the first thing you would talk about? I mean, I guess I, I, in some ways I, I feel silly asking it, but like if if you walked into a place and you were going to talk about this book, there but particular chapter that you think people really need to take to heart? All of it, I think, should be taken in. It's a good read, personal. Mm -hmm. But is there a part in that book that we really need to take because it's pushing us to take some action?
0: I mean, I would say the introduction and then chapter three and the conclusion are the parts that have the information that I want people to see the most. Um, yeah, the, I guess I'll, yeah, I'll give away the end, but there's different sustainability lessons that I've learned that are woven through the entire book. And so in the end, it, it lists all, all 33 of them out. Um, and then I think the introduction just does a really, um, it just does a good job of explaining who I am and then what environmental law is and just trying to, yeah, just apply, um, yeah apply what I've what I've learned to the current situation and so yeah I think those are the most important chapter three is that environmental law 101 chapter so there's really there's no stories about me it's not that at all it's just me trying to explain what yeah what environmental law is and yeah as I look to uh, talking to more people about this that is the chapter that I want to teach the most um, but I also do want to share stories. Um, also, my childhood chapter I think is really important. I
2: thought it would um, because that
0: talks about swimming and sustainability right. and um, how that all ties and together. And
2: waking too. up. I mean, you yeah. know, here we have you as a, an attorney, who, uh, a, a environmental lawyer who, who's already schooled, know the work, working the work, mm-hmm. and and. Um, when you share your thoughts that that preceded your getting into the work, mm-hmm. I mean those are those are rich. I think the, the Santa Claus oh, right, mentioned. Yeah. That's in the know, introduction. You <laughs> know, um, I'm telling you the delight the, the and all. Of, everybody done had their experience with it, but the the impact of when we're growing up and we're told something, led to believe something, and the challenge on. How to change from that mm-hmm. uh, can be um, can be really challenging for yeah, real, right? And 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 reading that alone t- made me think not only for myself but all of us who've had a situation where there was something told us, and it was told with some justification that, that seemed in that part of the universe of your growing
4: yeah. to get you through, right? but it,
2: it 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 didn't have any value once you get beyond that zone it was in like you yeah. know when you get to where people where you understand what people know ain't no santa claus santa claus Right. anyway yeah. i i know i'm losing y'all on it but can, feel me yeah
0: <laughs> i can exp- the reason that santa claus comes up as the beginning of this book is that i explain that I was fighting, uh, kids at school or just arguing with them over the existence of Santa Claus. Cause I was told that's, you know, he was real and I believed it and all my, you know, parents and adults and everything. And then when my mom finally told me the truth, I, yeah, I really like, I, I think I described it as rage crying at her. I was so upset because yeah, it did feel like you know my, whole, And then I just kept thinking about, like, the North Pole and then all the different Christmas events we'd gone to where Santa was there, and it really, um, it deeply impacted me. And so then juxtaposed that to going to law school to be an environmental lawyer, mm. and then, you know, what everyone's telling me it is, what I believe it is, and then the reality that it's not what I thought it was.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it certainly fits in. I, I mentioned Laura earlier, she was a source on that, it, and let it showed me talk to me about a emergent strategies.
0: Oh, okay. emergent and, strategy, the yeah. book. Yeah,
2: and, and um, and I actually think about your Santa Claus situation in that. Mm. That that it it also, this, folks. This this is what was so strong about the personal side of that. It had me thinking about the things that adults do, things that happen in our culture that we do that seem to work. Everybody in their household where kids is, yeah, they do the Santa Claus thing and other fantasy kinds of stuff mm-hmm. and it and that zone it works for a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, they okay, you know and that's it fit. But you know, and and they and we accept it as a truth. So when it, when we're coming out of that, when we get to that, no, that that that's not so. We don't do a lot of thinking about that, but I'm I'm thinking even beyond Santa Claus. There are a lot of things. Law school was the same way.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right.
2: D- d- what you thought it was going to be, and then you get in there and you see.
0: Hmm.
2: I mean, the book just really caused me to have some vibes and thoughts and ways that just bubbled up into a lot. I found it very energetic <laughs> and I found it wonderful reading your book Laura Evans. Speaking Thank of you. that I need to tell you to mention how people can get in touch with you if they wanted to book her. <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: yeah um, you can contact me through my website. Also my email is laurakeepingthingsalive.org um, so you can email me um yeah, I have the website, keepingthingslive.org, there's a page there for the book. There's a page there for the podcast. And then um, I'm going to be doing, yeah, various events throughout the coming months. And so, I, yeah, encourage you to go to those and find me there too.
2: This is powerful. I, I don't have a lot to say. I could just listen to anything else you want to say. And, um, in fact, we've got about three minutes, I think. and um, you should roll with them.
0: Okay, well I will say, if you do want to buy the book, um, right now the only place it's available online to just order is Amazon, Um, but then you also, like you said, can call any bookstore. They have the ability to order it and print on demand and get sent um, to a bookstore, so Talking Leaves can do that um, here in Buffalo as well as others. Um this Saturday, I'm going to be doing two different events at Gear for Adventure. There's one in Hamburg and one in Amherst. Um, so I'll be there doing a Q&A and signing. Mm-hmm. Um, there will also be a Burning Books event on October 27th at 7 p.m. So, yeah, local people can go to that one. And, yeah, I'm really I'm excited to keep sharing this, talking to people and really using it as a a way to yeah form like more mutual understanding and yeah just keep uh keep chasing sustainability uh until (laughs) yeah until i find it and i mean i do i have found it you know it's just it's a constant process and constantly learning and yeah i'm really happy to be here and have the book so thank you so much for letting me be here too
2: hey listen i'm glad to have you and welcome you to come back um because I know about what I know about you, and particularly in reading this book, it's so enjoyable and it's so enriching. I'm going to be in the future show reading some chapters from there because I think uh, things like that need to be ingrained. You know, you hear them multiple times and then you start to own them. I'm, and I think anyone that is taking on the issues in life that affect us. Um, need to, need to know. It's not in vain, <laughs> and it's not you know just you know some people want to ha- be a star. Uh-uh. um you could tell by that book that you put a lot into it.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about it for my whole life. Yeah, so.
2: and you meant for something to happen, and and um, it's actually it's having this effect, and I'm I'm wishing that you'll have breakout sales to where you'll be. Oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? I gotta get five hundred thousand more books anyway
0: mm, yeah. i'm
2: hoping it, it yeah. will be
0: well that would be great because that means that that many people would be interested in environmental law and hey, I, I, uh, I would love that That's, all right all, right, prof- all right professor <laughs> <laughs> yeah um
2: again we got i give you got a minute and um
0: uh, all right yeah i mean let's see what else can i say i'll I have a few more sustainability lessons here. So I'll just say the last one, that being outside, especially among trees and water, is one of my most reliable ways to unwind, relax, and feel re-energized to move forward in the face of difficult times. So I guess, yeah, the seasons are changing. It's about to be, you know, get colder. So just get outside as much as you can.
2: All right. Thank you, Laura Evans, author of Silent Season. We're out of here. Thank you.
6: (coughs) conversation with Jim Anderson, Monday morning at 10 a.m. on the legendary WUFO, 1080 a.m. and Power 96.5 FM.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Keeping Things Alive podcast. For more information, please visit www.keepingthingsalive.org.